Welcome to Culture Matters, my podcast where we dive into the many facets of organizational culture. I am your host Subhu Kalpati. I am a talent leadership and organizational development professional. My guest today is Shreyasi Singh, founder and CEO of Harappa, an online learning platform that focuses on building thrive skills, an essential set of cognitive, social and behavioral skills that enable professionals to succeed at all stages of their careers. Although Shreyasi is now an entrepreneur, disrupting the edtech space she's had a diverse experience in broadcast and print journalism editorial leadership book writing teaching and higher education administration shreyasi welcome to the podcast thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to have this conversation with you um so shreyasi i usually begin my um, you know these talks with uh, asking my guests to talk a little bit about their backstory but um in in our case at least i've had this ringside view uh, so to speak where i've i've seen vicariously your story build up um, you know through my backyard over the last 5 uh, 6 years uh, and uh, i i still go back very fondly to the time when you were getting started right many years ago um early days uh, i remember us discussing ideas and uh, the logo and getting into the brass tacks uh, early on so it's i i think um, it's it's so inspiring to see how far you've come you and the team have come um since uh, 2018 and um, if i were to ask you uh, you know to kind of go back in time uh, right and maybe start at how harappa came to be how did you evolve into this role and um, you know how did it all come to be maybe that's a good starting point for us to begin the conversation so a lot has happened in the last 5 years and yes then thank you for all your early inputs clearly they they mattered <laughs> and we managed to do something with all of them listen origin stories are always messy i think it's easy to kind of paint the picture of what happened uh, looking back um, and i think so much has happened that um, you know rewinding is genuinely rewinding and being reliable uh, of what one was feeling and thinking at that time is a is, is a bit of a challenge but let me uh, you know let me sort of take an attempt at it i think in 2018 march is when harappa got incorporated and mm-hmm. 2019 may is really when we went live to the world by um uh, you know sort of going live with one course and through 2019 september is when we actually started selling so actually we've really only been around as a business trying to reach people and monetize only for the last 4 years and the year and a half before that was really in the in the thought um and trying to put something together period um at, you know for my co-founder and i i think the uh, uh the there were three very clear founding principles that i i do feel proud even looking back at having stuck to the founding principles even though we've had to change on so many other things as businesses force you to right uh, one is that we would focus on um, adults as a learning segment like right? you know there was a, and and it doesn't it seems very smart now but at that time there was such a buzz around k12 and test prep and everything that you know it seemed very counterintuitive now but now having gone through this over the 700000 learners that we've had over the last 4 years 90% of them have been in the age group of 28 to 45 right so i think truly the mm. you know adult lifelong learning as a founding principle has really been something that we it was a founding principle that we started with and i feel like we've gotten even more and more convinced about it and double clicked on the second was the conviction in the curriculum that we have said we will not focus on technical and functional and domain skills because there mm. were several players doing that we would focus on what we now call thrive skills but essentially 
what we thought were actually the skills that as you grow in your career, individuals, teams, and organizations need, right? Which is the social behavior, cognitive skills that Harappa focuses on. There too, I feel that was a very clear founding principle. And I think we've gotten even more passionate, convinced, and, you know, um, uh, hopefully proficient at that. Uh, founding principle um, and thought was that we will work with enterprises like we will build a b2b first model which also we've continued to be you know sharper and sharper so our three main principles of working with professionals working with professionals on these skills and working with professionals on these skills and having their employers pay for it were really the three main founding principles and that got started from a personal element and from a personal angle I think Harpa started because I've had a full career as a journalist before I began this and as an author and that's where you and I met yeah. when I think both our books came out um, in the same year and we read it I think some book festivals and things like that right yeah, yeah. um I think I I I was very clear that I wanted to stop writing about entrepreneurs and start to be written about uh, you know I think I uh, you know like you know I wanted to stop living vicariously um and um, you know build something of my uh, build something of my own and that became a very strong personal voice you know it's very strong inner voice mm. um which became really the reason eventually to take the take the plunge and I'll say one thing here and then I'll stop um, and I was very confused about doing that because it's a very scary jump um, it's a very ambiguous jump and you know now it's like looking back later you feel like hey you have a company with a brand and things like that at the time when you're making these decisions you never yeah. think you will be here and you will quite get there but I remember a friend of mine who's also um, an author and an ex-journalist told me Tracy if not now when if not on this idea, then on what? And if not with this person, and he's referring to my co-founder, then with who? Right? Like, what more can you actually yeah. wait for? Um, and I think you know, maybe some sort of you know divine hand or some some hand of courage was guiding my decisions, and I decided to take the plunge. And um, uh, it, it's been very interesting. <laughs> Um, I think uh, a kind of a follow-up question there uh, that comes to mind as as I was reflecting on what you just said is um, there is of course you know when you're uh, when you're an outsider and you're coming in and and you're working in an industry that you know very little about and you're going through the process of learning and I'm sure there was a lot of self-doubt right when you uh, when you when you kick the, uh, kick this off uh, for yourself and along with uh, Pramath of course so where uh, you know how did you cope how uh, did you have any coping mechanisms in place uh, to see you through this entire process uh, and how did you do it I'm sure all of us struggle with it we call it imposter st- syndrome or what have you right but but how did you how did you cope with that and how did you kind of get over it I genuinely feel like I'm you know the one thing that the meta skill that I think or the meta trait that I've uh, been acquiring and uh, feel very confident about now is always being the outsider wherever I am mm. I genuinely feel like at this stage and age in my life I'm genuinely um, you know I am the outsider I'm not really part of any in group like if I'm with my son and you know his friends and their parents especially their mothers I'm in a very different space from many of them, right? In, in what I'm doing at work and what my work pressures are like with the LNB community, for example. Um, you know, when I go to some of these conferences, I, held it, I am the newcomer, right? Like mm. some of the people, some of the partners, learning partners have been there forever. Yeah. And, you know, the chief learning officers and CHROs have also constantly 
kept meeting each other. We are really the new kid on the block, and I'm specifically the the new person who's sort of introducing. Whether it is as an uh, as a startup tech startup founder, right, which is the third kind of ecosystem that one becomes a part of. There also, I'm not like a 26 year old tech bro. I'm a non techie, non MBA, doing this as my third career. Yeah. You know, started it in my late 30s. So I I, I just feel like you know like. I'm genuinely like the, I don't know, like the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? Like the, the joker of the pack in, in, in all of these things. And I I feel like now there's a pattern, like clearly I'm seeking it out. So I think when you're seeking it out, it doesn't, you revel in it. And of course it's challenging. I think it's challenging to break through, to build the credibility first to collect the network, right? Like um, I think the first effort in the first few years was, at least get to know people and for them to know you. Then the second when you go deeper, you could understand the network and understand the individuals in it. Um, then when one, when one was doing like, you know, CDD fundraise, CDD fundraise, first time trying to pitch to, I pitched to obviously all of the leading VCs and, you know, and that's also again a new experience. I think you have, you know, when your why is very clear, um, and I think in my case, and that's really my only tip to entrepreneurs, uh, I try and offer don't offer too much advice to entrepreneurs because every journey is so unique. But my one tip really actually to all professionals, you have to know your why. It's only when your why is very clear to you that all of the lack of self-esteem, sometimes Mm. sort of, you know, this like cringe feeling of being the outsider, not being part of the inset, all of that starts to make, uh, make it, you know, make the situation worth it. And I think in my case, my wife and Harappa are trying to do this was, I want to be recognized for building something of scale and impact. It's like the personal vision statement that I wrote for myself. Mm. I think that has really helped me keep all of the lack of confidence, lack of whatever to say, listen, these are small things and where you want to, what you, what you're here to do. Right. And I think what you, then, you know, the, what you're here to do is very, very clear to yourself, almost like, you know, the, the, vision statement or a mission statement of a company um these minor irritants stop to bother you and i have to say that on a on some days when one is feeling cocky and that doesn't one doesn't have the luxury to feel like that too many times most times you're feeling like an idiot because the entrepreneurship journey is just so brutal you learn so much and you've done make so many mistakes and done that People feel a quiet sense of confidence to say mm. that, listen, if I was, a, if you know, if I've had, a, if I have a great conversation with the chief learning officer, who's actually been working on this for the last 20, 25 years, um, and I've only been sort of obsessing over it over the last five years, but I mean, he or she at the end would say, oh my gosh, I learned a lot from this conversation. You do feel like a sense of you know validation and confidence and I have to say my journalistic experience and I think whether it's writing book has been super super useful because what do journalists or authors have the ability to do they have the ability to go deep into a subject very quickly it's like you know we've mastered the uh, ability to ask layman questions and through the process of questioning understand a body of knowledge in a much more accelerated efficient manner and i think i've really um i've really really utilized all my journalistic skills um in being able to quickly come up to speed in all of the communities where i've met like an outsider whether that's being a startup founder whether that's being a learning and pedagogy 
expert and so on and so forth wonderful yeah i was just about to say that the journalistic experience would have helped you so you said it yourself um that makes a lot of sense um because you you do get to depth of information very quickly and also um you're investigating things all the time you're you're always asking why and you're you're curious about the world right so i think that's a great meta skill to have as a founder um wonderful yeah. thing the, the the third thing of the journalistic skill is you know what journalism uh makes you very comfortable with approaching people with authority that's because you've been used to pushing even the senior most people mm. with your question right so there's a lot of fearlessness in being able to approach what could be a difficult conversation or what could be a very engaged conversation right from the word go so i do think that you that, that's the other confidence that you um, get because you always you know i've always interviewed ceos so it's not felt like oh my god this is like you know one is in awe of a cxo and can't push them so i think that's the third journalistic meta skill right like being able to very quickly establish credibility and establish a rapport with a senior person whether that's a customer whether that's a faculty you know or a partner who are the kind of stakeholders that i deal with now mm-hmm. and be able to have a conversation of some intellectual rigor where you know i'm not just like a vendor in sort of being a you know supplicate that i can push them and you know i i'm ready to be pushed back by them as well i think that's that was, that's also been a very strong journalistic um uh, or skill that journalism gives another related question here shreyasi is again being an outsider it it helps you uh, think you know you you don't basically basically don't carry any baggage right you are you're looking things uh, looking at things afresh and you don't really have you know this baggage of how things are usually done um so my question is you know uh, the way that you've approached um you know leadership development or all the various areas that you work in currently um what is it that that you think has changed right in the way that you approach um developing leaders for example right have you uh, has the approach changed in the way that harappa looks at um you know developing leaders have there been any key aha moments or insights saying hey why is it that we do things in a particular way why don't we try it in a different way now, again just top of mind uh, insights that come to mind yeah no for sure and i think that first principle thinking that outside i mean outsiders have a lot of belief in any ecosystem a really yeah. robust ecosystem whether it you know of any organisms will be- benefit from institutional expertise that resides within the ecosystem and outside stimulus and yeah. fresh ideas and innovation or you know really bizarre ideas so i do feel like as an outsider as a new company whether that's me individually or by itself has had a role to play and has shaped the thinking right mm-hmm. i think the two or three things i would say three things that i feel like we've take we've done differently um uh, uh to establish ourselves and i think that has been net net positive really for anybody interested in learning if they were to follow us and learn from us it's one a very strong focus on storytelling in building our content out and i think that mm. again you know um is something that one has learned from one's previous life right uh, so i think i think the way that especially in our asynchronous self paced video content i think we almost our aspiration is almost to say hey learning on education is not about reading 500 page books only and for professionals it can't be right sometimes a moment of epiphany or a moment of reflection is where learning happens and sometimes for that you have to do less rather than more listen the power of the 2 minute story that can leave a memory or a, you know like something for the light bulb and 
you know Laura's art or her mind to go off and you know for them to start to become open to learning so i feel like we really and i i do feel very distinctive in that um mm. if i were to say other learning peers um who are part of the learning enterprise learning ecosystem i feel we really push storytelling and much more humane storytelling i think we're not afraid in our stories to embrace emotions and just because it's enterprise learning doesn't mean that you know you still it's the learners are still human beings i don't right. think you can take the humanity and emotions out of it i think we want our emotions and our stories on our sleeves so i think that's really one thing in which are apart second the brand and design i think our our belief and i think this is sort of my personal belief in the power of design um uh to be almost that magic and secret sauce in building experiences right where this where this light bulb moment can happen in the head and the heart right i think we've used whether it's the vibrant colors whether it's the you know just the way that we've talked so i think really i i think we in a merchandise especially in a learner collaterals that are given learning journey i feel like there's been a lot of um innovation or a lot of fresh thinking and um uh, that we we we've done there so i i feel like those two storytelling and really using the power of design um uh, creatively to um you know to build experiences whether there's a physical learner kits and products or other experiences like some some for leadership program we make sure we have a um we have some music we have some history you know we have some something to do with culture because all of those essentially help us meet the objective of opening somebody's heart and mind i think on those i would consider us ourselves to be distinctive and the third is we don't just i assume a learner who is a busy professional Uh, which is the the reality in our case is not going to learn on their own right so i i almost think of them as first generation online learners and i the minute mm. you call somebody a first generation learner on any on any format you do have some sympathy and empathy for them and you don't judge them to say hey, listen nobody is interested in learning which i've seen a lot of people you know when they get disillusioned obviously do with busy professionals it's so tough to create the pull you know this right so tough to create the pull uh to get people it's such a push product learning within yeah. companies is still such a push product i actually don't feel bad i don't attach too much value to what i say the misplaced value of effortlessness it's not effortless to learn um and i feel like as educators at heart it is a job to make the effort on behalf of our learners without judging the learner so i feel like we really you know you won't leave your child or your favorite cousin or your best friend if they were resistant you would keep pushing at it and i think we we bought that sentiment and wow. heart to um getting learners to break their inertia and instill motivation so that they're able to do the journey and i think on that that's actually the thing i'm proudest of at harappa that i think we do better than many of our peers sure that's interesting um especially i mean if you hadn't mentioned it i would have said it myself which is that on point 2 right uh, which is it's very unique just the just the way that the brand kind of uh, shines out in terms of how it's um th- there's a clear differentiation right so just yesterday i was looking at the first time manager collateral that somebody from your team had sent through um so it's it's absolutely there i think that's something that i can also watch for um the third point is very interesting um that's that's a i guess that's a code that all are you know all us learning professionals are trying to Uh, kind of uh, break into and figure out 
Um, so it's it's fantastic that you are in the journey of um, you know making sure that people come on board and learn um, effectively for themselves. Um, right. So that's great. Uh, tangential question for you next is you already touched upon this a little bit, right? So you are um, uh, you don't fit into the typical category of a founder in today's uh, startup ecosystem. Uh, forget India, anywhere in the world, really, right? So you're um, you're not that young. You're not. I mean, uh, sorry. Uh, excuse me for saying it's that, but uh, <laughs> just happily, in context. Happily unyoung. <laughs> happily, happily middle aged. <laughs> awesome. uh, you're a woman, of course. You you don't have a techie background, no MBA. Yet here you are, right? Here, here you are. Um, you know, disrupting things in style. Um, so how is it? Uh, you know, if I were to again ask you to reflect back on leading this uh, venture in in the tech community in the tech world, um, uh, you know, what have been some of your key learnings uh, so far? It actually, now I'm I've decided that I'm just going to be pissed off and angry about the fact mm. that there are just such few people like me, right? Like it doesn't, you know, beyond it, beyond a moment of feeling like it's yeah. great. It's not okay. It's it's too strange, right? Like we have fifty percent of the world. This is not some diversity which is like five percent of an underrepresented. Fifty percent of the world, in most cases, fifty one percent of the world, because um, uh, women are physically win the survival um, uh, game, right? Um, so it's just not okay that I should be overall forget in learning right mm. on the startup ecosystem that only five yeah. percent of uh ceos in india are women only two percent of vc funding even in the u.s goes to women solo women run founded companies and some of that is ridiculous data mm. so i feel very very responsible i keep saying if given the chance make the change right i feel like in my limited capacity um you know, if I have been given the chance on this issue, I will make the change. And I think that has obviously, one, it has had an immediate impact on Harappa's product portfolio, like our school yep. for women, where we, of course, have the Women's Accelerator Program, the Women's Leadership Program, the Women's CXO Program, has really, it's been such a strong business, like it's added so much business benefit for us. Um, the second, obviously, is this, you know, I'm very aware now, which I wasn't so early. I remember my birthday two years back. So, and, you know, because I think we were still in COVID. So we were all largely working from home. And on the stroke of midnight, like the team sent me one of those Kuro board things that you have now, right? right? Where people can collect. And I think we were 130, 140 strong team. And I think that's the first time, first time that I realized, oh my God, what a responsibility I have, whether I like it or not, of being a woman CEO, because every woman had written something to say like, oh my gosh, to see you do this or to have someone like you or to whatever. Don't think I was as cognizant as I became in that moment. And then I realized that, are you right when you say, you know, it's everything. It's also how you dress. It's also how when they see you and we've had some, we've had a heavyweight board always. They've always seen me worked with super successful, very senior male leaders who are global leaders in anything that they're doing, right? Mm. Um, I realized how unique it still is for people to see me, see someone like me in that role. Um, so I'm actually, 
as much as i'm angry which was the first emotion i spoke about the second that 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 conviction has led to business benefit third i feel very responsible mm-hmm. um uh, and very scrutinized also which is the flip side but i never judge like people say hey when women are judging you more and things like that i'm like you know this is all a process of evolution but very responsible to leave things better and to show people that a different reality is possible and honestly on some on this i've become a little bit fearless i'm actually always constantly looking for forums where senior male or female leaders unfortunately most senior leaders are male senior leaders where where i can i can talk to data and logic right and the data in india is so damning specifically whether it's workforce participation whether it's access to credit whether it's access to uh, equity capital right on all fronts for women whether it's representations in senior roles that now i'm just like constantly like i feel like i need to be doing more i'm constantly looking for forums when when at least if i can't make the change myself i at least have developed the courage as well as the knowledge to push people's thinking and if i am in a forum like that i don't waste it like i gather my courage and i speak my mind right and all of this i don't think i was i mean i've always been interested in this issue because i think it's very clear if you're a critical thinker <laughs> to see what's happening around you is not okay but i think it's in the last two years that i've become even more focused on it and certainly much more vocal and i and and i'm very deliberately adopted a vote or a, a note of anger and restlessness to bring urgency to making things change mm sure i i think a little bit of uh, that positive activism is definitely needed to push things along i suppose and, and i say positive activism because we are pushing for something which is which is collectively yes. good for all of us uh, right not yes. just not just for one segment um so yeah i agree with you i think that's that's a great approach uh, to look at it so um follow up question there shreyasi is um you know uh, looking back looking inwards uh, into the organization into harappa um right what's uh, have you do you think you've developed a unique style of leadership in the way that you you work with your people with your customers and so on what if i were to ask you what's your leadership style in the way that you lead your people it's changed a lot i would think that it's it's changed a mm. lot um uh, i mean you have some core foundational strengths as uh, strengths as well as limitations as a human being which become you know leadership you have there's no place to hide right like i literally sit in a glass cabin glass yeah. from all four sides right I and i think metaphorically yeah yes yeah, yeah. so, and even <laughs> metaphorically yeah. uh, that is really the reality the best of you and the worst of you is clear to people um and i think that's you know the and and the understanding that is to realize that you become very transparent because you know that in any case if you're not seeing it people are picking it up and there's no point so i think the evolution that um uh, the one evolution to the status like the right now current status of my leadership style is i'm highly transparent um right and i mean i challenge people to say listen you want i can actually put salaries online including my 
I'm at all of yours and I can defend why I made this decision or whatever. I'm not sure you guys are ready for it, right? Or, you know, we as a society are the... So I think that's one. I also get clear about, you know, if the comp- where the company is doing well, where we're not doing well, where, you know, and, and transparent in uh, feedback. Um, so I think transparency and forthrightness, um, where I think three, four, five years back, I would be much more uh, make the message palatable. Um, right. I think I would do, I don't think I've ever been an appeaser and a people pleaser. I don't think so. I mean, because I started with her, but like I said, you know, one had gone through that phase already, right. but I think I would make it much more palatable and, you know, maybe actually much more emotionally manipulative to say, this is actually good for you mm-hmm. to now where I feel like I'm actually much more transparent, um, authentic and forthright in, you know, um, how I think and feel. I think that's one big thing um, about my leadership style, at least now. Second um, is detail orientation. Like I can be freakishly detail oriented. Like, you know, I can get to version uh, 50 of a deck um, without batting an eyelid. Um, And I think that's sort of a small example, but I think my colleagues um, would say that I think the first two years of a company, especially a product like Harappa, you do have to do idea evangelization. So you're much more, hey, I'm come here, we're all going to together change the world of enterprise learning and education. You do have to, you know, you do speak from a much more extracted, um, abstracted and sort of elevated yeah. position. I think to now when you're running brass stacks of business, especially the last year, I think whether it's funnel metrics, whether it's cost metrics, whether it's revenue metrics, whether it's, you know, sales funnels, all of that, I think our, you know, version 72 of a deck, I just feel like I'm much more detail oriented. And I think people would say that about my leadership style, if you were to ask Karapans now is my, is my guess. I think we talked about a little bit, but I think uh, the focus on, um, design aesthetics a good environment like mm-hmm. the lighter the softer things that i think a lot of other things you know i think people would say like like listen like she really cares about even the small things right like right. and you know she'll try and improve it or she'll try and add some aesthetic beauty to it which is not beauty for the sake of beauty but hopefully it's leading to something like i think they they'll recognize the effort to do better um right on things mm-hmm. which others might ignore like a Loose will be squeaky clean anytime you come. Like little things like that, I think that they would, you know, say that things that others might miss out. I, you know, whatever. The last thing I'd say we were talking about women uh, is um, I try and walk, walk the talk on accelerating um, uh, women, whether it's fifty percent women faculty on on in within Harappa, within whatever is in my span of influence. So I would say. Um, that um has happened and the last maybe like keeping uh, keeping people make make holding people accountable much more than i would do before um i think i have been accused of saying hey you're very nice especially you're very nice to young people i think i'm like much better at tougher love and much more demanding of accountability which is obviously not not everybody has liked it in the same complexion but i do feel like um I, whether that's good or bad, uh, depending on who you ask, I feel like, you know, I hold all of us um, much more accountable 
um i think the leadership trying to say from becoming a founder to becoming a ceo actually i actually think that that is really in some ways the journey that one is on now to say that hey you're not just a driven passionate um founder but you're an effective ceo and i think all the leadership changes have really been an effort or an understanding that to be an effective ceo there are other things that you need that a passionate founder might not need and i think my leadership style is on that journey at this moment that paints a good picture of uh, you know how how you would lead a team and and your people at harappa um i i also believe uh, shreyasi is that uh, one belief that i have is um you know culture is is a reflection of the cumulative uh, styles of leadership in an organization right um so of course you are you are helming uh, harappa but if i were to ask you what's the culture like you have a team of course um that works with you um right so uh, have you consciously built a certain kind of a working environment for your people or and what does that look feel sound like i think harappa we've always because again we were mature founders coming in and we were the kind of individuals that we were i think we were we've always had a very strong focus on culture right from the beginning right mm. and i think the culture in the beginning was much more about product uh, excellence and product innovation and i think much more i i guess like intellectually driven um i think we struggled for a year year and a half in the middle when we were trying to become commercial but you know and i think we hired a lot of wrong people so i think i would say that maybe between 2021 to end of 2022 like an 18 month period we had a really mishmash culture because i think there was a lot of wrong hiring right mm-hmm. which was and you know as we were trying to become more commercially oriented while keeping a soul of this educator at heart alive i think we made a lot of like hiring uh, mistakes and i think that really impacted the culture i think for the last 8 10 months i would say that the one thing i'd say is creative problem solving like i would say that mm-hmm. you know at harappa people are creative i think they they would say that they have the space to think creatively i would i you know um i would feel fairly confident that for most people on most days that would seem true i don't think anything can be true for everybody every day right, right. but i would say for most people on most days i think second um we're good at forming relationships with each other so i would say that again for most people on most days they would say that they've met some amazing people at harappa and who they've become um you know friends with so i think we embrace like you know we are relationship oriented and we can embrace uh, relationship third of the growth um growth minded and i would say from a growth minded is we've been very good at creating different opportunities in different fields like lots of zigzag careers or sharp vertical accelerations for some people so i think um uh, there is a hey you need to grow like a, a growth minded mm-hmm. um sense is what i think everybody will have and Uh, maybe the last thing will be this at least this pursuit of excellence you know when you do something try and do it well not perfection i keep trying to tell people the pursuit of excellence is not guarantee of perfection but it's like you know that last effort you make to take something which is at 80% and take it as close to 100% that you can get i do feel like people will whether it's on anything will will feel like they have experienced that at harappa Mm-hmm. enough times for that to be a cultural value 
very cool and i get, i do get to see um, you know your celebrations in the office every once in a while on social media especially when people leave for instance i think that also talks uh, a lot to the culture and i also like the fact that you you touched upon hiring i think that's that's just such a critical element of culture that gets overlooked it's always about you know what we do uh, as a day to day but it's also about who is in the team and how do we get the right people in um so yeah so- that's one of the biggest hiring i would say that oh my gosh especially senior hiring like uh, i think i would say the three things that i've done the worst and made the worst mistakes on is tool tool costs like how many tools one buys and just like a extravagant waste of money bad senior hiring um right uh two and three i i would say those are the two things that i feel like in the middle i personally really um messed up on but hiring right is so difficult it's mm-hmm. so challenging it's so 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 challenging to uh hire well yeah yeah great so on that note um uh, shri asi i'm going to shift focus just a little bit um which is coming to harappa's research studies i think that's another area that i feel that you've you've disrupted well i wouldn't call it disruption but the unique point of view that you've brought uh, to the table um right and there are so many uh, i think these days i see so many of them coming out from uh, from harappa which is fantastic um uh, lots of insights right so if i were to again ask you because you've you've probably seen all of them one after the other what have been some of your favorite uh, research studies or findings um, that you've that's really made up made you and the team sit up and take uh, notice right if i were to ask you that so i can tell you the one i'm angriest about right <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> which is uh, which is from the grand women and workplace report that we released in march um we done i think it's probably one of the largest data sets and that's our effort in the grand series that we are running we've done mm. to the grand women and workplace report and the grand manager and workplace report and third there will be another grand report out uh before this calendar year ends um is to have a large data sets which are completely india focused because really one of the things that we're trying to do with harappa insights which is you know that um you brought up research is to have india india rich data mm-hmm. because we're all otherwise consuming largely not even western largely american data sets on all of these workplace dynamics and they just don't feel right right yeah, sure. um and obviously it's a way for us to so i think in the so i'll pick up three surprising one the first one is from the grand women in workplace report where we interviewed 1000 uh, women professionals across all age groups and industries and 500 men so sort of you know juxtapose and um uh, compare and contrast the really uh, the data set that I was really angry about is the widest pay gap between ma- men and women professionals was actually in the CXO and CXO minus 1 band it's in the CXO and CXO minus 1 band that women CXOs earn 74 paisa to every 100 paisa that male CXOs earn and what that made me really upset is by that point any question of merit or whatever is yeah. not in consideration because if they made it so far it means that they are high quality high performing professionals and why should that happen right so i think that has been i, I think we were all very surprised um that i mean we weren't surprised that there will be wage gap as there is all over the world but yeah. the the largest the wage quantum. gap to be a the quantum and the largest wage gap to be where 
you feel like hey yeah. you you feel like these are women who are otherwise probably being celebrated yeah. as having shattered the glass ceiling it's when they're confronted with the widest pay gap was actually not something i expected and it's something really just again upsets me and um, makes me very sad um the second is to do um uh, uh, let me add a funny one and then i'll get to a, a serious one the second was from the grant manager and workplace report that we recently launched it's 3500 3800 managers across india um and some hr professionals and senior leaders have been interviewed and there we have what we in the slide we call the merch model the merchandise model we say less than uh, uh, the gift most managers use to reward and recognize their direct reports is company merchandise you know sweatshirts whatever right. and and when asked to say which merch they value the most the same managers have said that they value company merch less than 1% so i found that hypocrisy right. in in actually you value it the least because you think it's actually company real estate for advertising but yeah. it's the one reward format that you are using the most to reward was to me like you know like this merch model as i call it which is the <laughs> funny uh, uh, the funny exercise right the 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 part i um um i would say is from we've also done mini reports these two are the grand reports we've done a bunch of mini reports called austin translation um you know one on the great attrition um mm. and things like that is around generations right. um you know we speak a lot about and of course you are the ultimate generations expert with your millennials book but um i find the con- the insightful thing that we found in a in a research we did on generations was the commonality of actual aspirations that people have for any professional of any gender or of age actually has from their career which is good money great advancement right and recognition is actually more common than not right so i think while we are so locked into so much oh general oh, you know women professionals need something different they need more flexibility gen x needs to gen y needs it. i actually find that and and that was a very heartening thing because i think mm-hmm. you know talent custodians and people custodians are really scratching their head because there's just so much conversation i find like the principles of you know the human aspirations people have from their vocation or their careers yeah. is actually more similar than not and i think that to be maybe the most optimistic or positive of the exercise of the examples that i've given you which is mm-hmm. then an easy one to try and um, you know not have to worry about these smaller cuts yeah. um, and focus on the big things so those are the three sure that's very interesting in fact since you mentioned the millennials it took me back to some research that i had done where daniel pink talks about um, in his book drive um, right so he says uh, pay is is probably hygiene you you need to make sure that your people are paid well before that you can't start talking about intrinsic motivation uh, right it it doesn't work uh, and that's that's kind of universal it wasn't relating to any particular generation per se um, so it's it's heartening to see that the data is also kind of reflecting that um, you know Completely. and yeah yeah and advancement and those things go, go hand in hand recognition um right so wonderful that's good to hear good to know that it's also you know showing up in the data thanks uh, shreyasi um so one other question i have for you um, shreyasi is that um you know entrepreneurship is not something that uh, well it's it's 
fairly new to you uh, right it's it's not something that you've been doing for a decade plus uh, do you feel that it's it's changed you as a person um, right and do you feel that you know you've you've transformed as a person because of being first a founder and now a ceo um, and any uh, any thoughts to share there oh definitely uh, it's a really like brutally immersive journey and i think the last 5 years have been on the all fronts for us feel like their first 5 years have been uniquely challenging and difficult but you know yeah. we've had covid and then the whole yeah. macro of how the you know how companies like ours are valued and evaluated not just on growth right now to profitability like you know then also the you know the hybrid way working hybrid working remote and all of the conversations the last 5 years have anyway been genuinely challenging um i think for anyone because it just seems like you know workplace dynamics so many trends in the world are impacting the way we work right uh, are and impacting the workplace and kind of those shifting sands um uh, has been really really challenging so i think entrepreneurship um how has it changed so let me say how has it changed me for the better and how i think it has changed me for the worse um and even they're all like they say your best friends are your darkest shadows right they're mm-hmm. flip side other shadows like adaptability for example i think what um and resilience i think the two things that i would feel like it has at least revealed to me i didn't know that i was actually as adaptable or as resilient as i been called in to be or have managed to be um which are maybe positives but the dark side of that is a certain numbness right um and a certain detachment um uh you know from people like adaptability also means you honor the past less a little bit right mm-hmm. uh, you know because you're only yeah. trying to navigate the a present or work towards the future you do feel like and i and i've i've studied history in college right i feel like i honor the past less because i'm just so focused on firefighting in the present and building for the future mm-hmm. which is really the flip side of adaptability right resilience is you can become very um very very demanding on if i can thrive and if i have survived why are you not being as resilient right um uh so i think that there is there has been so it 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 has revealed i think what entrepreneurship has taught me or changed me it has revealed to me like you know the opposite ends of any attribute spectrum to myself right like i don't think i thought i could be this adaptable but i also don't think i thought i could be this um this uh, dismissive of history i didn't think i could be this resilient but also then i didn't think i can become this numb mm-hmm. about uh things so um it, it's it's really it forces just an incredible level of and forces it's not like you're seeing it it forces yeah. an incredible level of introspection mm-hmm. um and honesty like it shows you the mirror um in such vivid detail um about you know and the decision the feedback loop right uh, yeah. about how many decisions you made and what you come to it and what were the biases that went into the judgment it, it, there's no way you can't change because the mirror is shown to you in just so often in, in that vivid detail it, i i can't imagine anybody not changing Uh, through an entrepreneurship experience is impossible. 
Um, I'm going to do something fun now, uh, last section of the conversation. So we are going to do a quick rapid fire round, Shreyasi, where I will, uh, you know, pose not a question, but a word to you or, or a phrase. And you say the first thing that comes to your mind. It's very simple. Yeah. And we'll see if we want to get into any of those after the rapid fire is done. Are you ready? Okay. Um, here we go. Leadership. Introspection. Women leaders. Too rare. Okay. Entrepreneurship. Brutality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brutal <okay>. journeys. <laughs> okay. Um, culture. Oh, tough as nails. Like it's genuinely tough to build a good culture. It's very tough. Okay. Uh, diversity. Necessary, but necessary, but at this utopian in the workplace, present in the world, utopia in the workplace. Okay, uh, Harappa. Oh, heart. All right, edtech. Immense amplifier of. Um, India's potential there has to no way we can do what India needs to do for 1.4 billion people without using um, technology in education impactfully and effectively. Okay, how about uh, learning ROI? I, I keep telling CHROs I've named the company Harappa because this is a civilizational question with no <laughs> answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I know what I'm going to say in the next team meeting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome that was that was the last one that was the last uh word for you shazi thanks for playing along i think you I did, hope I did well. you did really well thank you um although i i do want to ask a counter question there which is dei you said you said that it's utopian right it's probably everywhere but not enough in the workplace what did you mean by that like i'm feeling skeptical um and okay. you know mildly disillusioned that you know companies are up to the task of fully um i mean if we can't do it for 50, for women who are 50 percent of the world i just feel like you know the 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 smaller sections where diversity needs to you know who need to be represented are actually not as visible like women and race right like gender and race mm. is immediately visible to your eye Many of the other uh, other diversity, whether it's cognitive diversity, whether it could be temporary disability, whether it's caste, class, mm -hmm. um, you know, are actually not sexual orientation, are actually not visible to the eye. Mm -hmm. So it's even tougher to make changes on those. But I think like race and gender are so visible. And yet on both of those, some, some in India, some globally, we've, you know, we've, we're on the arc of progress, but it's we're still so far away from any sort of true equity and diversity that, you know, on, on a bad day, you caught me on a bad day, but, you know, I don't <laughs> always feel very optimistic that, uh, uh, that we'll get there anytime soon. Hmm. Well, that's all right. I, in fact, uh, in another podcast conversation, I heard uh, one other person tell me that there's too much virtue signaling happening and very little work that's happening on the ground, right? So there's, there's too little, too many words, too little action. So um, that's something that we that's probably exactly, need to reflect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Too much PR, too much PR, too much virtue signaling. Absolutely. Too much virtue signaling, not enough real change. Great. So we are at the end of our conversation. Uh, Shreyasi, any any closing remarks, any thoughts uh, before we wind down? Uh, 
No, it just truly like flew by. Thank you. Those very thoughtful questions. And I have to say, you know, I'm a podcast junkie. I feel like everything that I've learned uh, to do at Harappa, being the non-techie non-MBA founder, is by you know very simple medical prescription of a podcast a day. Um, and I've kind of stuck to that for the last five years on at least eighty percent of the days in the year. Wow. So I'm always genuinely. Happy to be a podcast guest because the format has taught me so much. Um, and second, these conversations, you know, always help one introspect a little bit more yeah. because you're asked to, you know, sort of synthesize your learning. So always very useful. Thank you. I love how forthcoming and open Shreyasi was in this no holds barred conversation. Her self awareness on how her style of leadership affects the environment and culture at Harappa is really commendable. There is research to show that when the CEO is transparent, it can lead to engaged employees, higher customer satisfaction, and better financial performance. Companies with transparent cultures are more likely to attract and retain top talent. Until next time, I hope this episode has sparked some thoughts on how leadership style can influence the culture of an organization.